Good morning, everybody. Isn't it the most perfect morning ever in Kentucky? My goodness, it is the end of August, and uh, it is just so pretty this morning. It's just so perfect. God bless all of you in Florida in the path of the hurricane. God bless you. We're praying for you. But, uh, oh my, uh, it's really pretty this morning in South Central Kentucky. My name is Tim Harris. This is Tim with Tim. Each day, 10 o'clock, we take 10 minutes, give or take a minute, and we go verse by verse through the Word of God. I love the fact that you do this with me. I'm glad that you're with me today. Uh, Isaiah chapters 56 and 57 for today. I think I mentioned yesterday um, that uh, Isaiah here is... Uh, making a, a really rather radical change. Uh, you can sort of divide Isaiah up into three sections, and most scholars do. Uh, and you can almost think of it like, you know, like Paul has 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Isaiah is one big book, but the sections are so distinctive that you can literally um, think in terms of 1 Isaiah, 2 Isaiah, 3 Isaiah. Uh, and we're starting today... Uh, this this new section uh, in chapter 56 through the end of the book, these last number of chapters, there's just this very uh, important and obvious shift in tone. Uh, it's, it's very, very different. Of course, the situation is different. The exiles have begun to return, and now there's a whole different set of issues for those who are coming back home. At any rate, uh, if you read closely, you'll just notice, my goodness, you know, the, the, uh, there's rather an enormous contrast that, that you'll see starting in, the, in these last chapters. Uh, so let's jump into chapter 56, uh, again, sort of the beginning of, of, of third Isaiah, uh, as, as, as they say. Um, you know, we talked about, I've mentioned several times in this section, last few sections, um, the, the Ethiopian eunuch who was riding along in Acts chapter 8, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, especially chapter 53. When I'm reading chapter 56, I'm just hoping he got this far. I'm hoping that that dude read this far because these opening verses in chapter 56 are just breathtaking in this radical new inclusion of foreigners and eunuchs, specifically eunuchs, in the people of God, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was in some ways application of the, the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, the prohibitions against those who were outside the covenant, the prohibition against those who had any physical damage to their sexual organs like eunuchs. And so all of this sudden, you have this amazing blessing, an invitation for all the nations, and it's beautiful, and it's gospel, and I love it. This is what the Lord says, be just and fair to all, and do what is right and good, you know, uh, this call back to righteousness. Now, again, I think this is probably connected to the, the, the returning exiles who have lived, uh, you know, this long period of time in Babylon, in, in, in a pagan context, in a pagan culture. And so as they return, there's this desperate need to recover, you know, this biblical sense of righteousness and morality and what it means to be God's people and what it means to be in relation with this holy, holy, supremely holy God. 
uh, and what it means to follow the, you know, the conditions of the covenant. And so you'll notice here in this opening section, this emphasis on righteousness, but specifically honoring the Sabbath. I imagine in Babylon, the Sabbath is just one of those things that's just hard to keep up. It's, it's one thing when the whole culture observes and recognizes a particular day, and in one period of U.S. history, that was the case. You know, when I was, I'm 58. When I was a kid, I remember that most restaurants were closed on Sunday. I remember when Woolco Department Store was closed on Sunday. I mean, you just didn't shop on Sunday. There was this basic cultural recognition that Sunday was not a day for everyday business. You had six days for that. There was one day that was distinctive. But man, that's totally gone out the window now. Our culture no longer recognizes that. And so for God's people to keep and honor, you know, a a day of worship and rest becomes more difficult. You don't have the cultural support. So now I'm just saying, as they're coming back home, coming back to Jerusalem, coming back to, to Israel, to the promised land once more, that they have to recover this distinctive sense of holiness in practice and in identity. And so, uh, once more, the, this call back to the Sabbath, but, but also this radically new, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord won't let me be a part. You know, of course, he will accept all of those, you know, who do what is right and fair and, and try to ob- observe the things he commands. Um, so the foreigners and, and the units both, it's what it says. If they follow the conditions of the covenant, if they put their faith in the Lord, if they keep the Sabbath, they can be fully recognized members of God's people. I I just think that's beautiful. And again, something very gospel about that, you know, whosoever will may come. Uh, Verses 9 to 12 in chapter 56 is an incredible indictment against against sinful leaders. Um, Oh my goodness, you know, as a a Christian leader, uh, these are the kind of passages that really, you know, uh, call my heart into self-examination. I promise you these leaders, they don't think of themselves as bad leaders. And and I'd say in some cases, they're not even trying to lead the people astray. They just have lost their focus. They, they have drifted. They have fallen out of fellowship with the Lord. And you can't lead other people where you're not presently going. You know what I mean? And so the leaders of my people, I mean, just look at the words. I mean, they're the watchmen. They're the shepherds, the uh, uh, metaphors that continue to be used. But at the same time, uh, the, the adjectives used to describe these leaders, they're blind. You know, they're blind. They are watchmen. You know, they're supposed to be on the wall keeping watch, you know, for danger and for threats to God's people, but they're blind. You know, you, you don't put a blind person in charge of keeping watch. They're blind. They're, they're ignorant. They're silent. Silent. He uses that analogy of like a silent watchdog. I've got one of those. You know, our, our dog, her name is Aggie. She's like 15 years old. She is now blind and deaf. Uh, she is a, a useless watchdog. You know, like if I walk in the room, you know, Aggie's like, <laughs> like I sneak up on her. You know, she walked around a corner the other day. I'm sitting on the couch. She walks around the corner of the couch and she's like, <laughs> she had no idea I was there. I mean, she has no, you know, keen canine senses anymore. And, and this is sort of the analogy here that you've got these 
dudes who are supposed to be the leaders of the people, supposed to be the watchdogs, right? But they're blind and, and they're silent. You know, you know, if, if, if an axe murderer came to the house, man, that dog ain't even going to bark. That dog's going to get off the porch. And, 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 and this is the kind of analogy for the watchmen, for the shepherds of God's people. They are silent. They are lazy. Greedy like dogs who love to lie around sleeping and dreaming. You know, too, Winnie Mae Hopper used to say, you know, too lazy to scratch. You know, we're talking about the leaders of God's people here, and, and probably a lot of pastors, you know, uh, and sometimes I am this pastor, God help me, greedy and selfish. They're intent on following their own path and seeking their own personal gain. That's, that's verse 11. God help me. God help all of us who are in positions of influence over others. You know, you can't follow your own path if you're trying to lead people down the path of following God, you know. So uh, th that's the one, you know, come, you know, wild animals of the field, come and devour these idiots, you know, these leaders of my people who are silent and lazy and blind and ignorant, you know. God help us. Verse uh, chapter 57, verses one and two. Good people pass away. Godly people die before their time. Nobody seems to care or wonder why. Well, I don't say nobody. I mean, don't we say that a lot? You know, um, I think what Isaiah is trying to say here is that there's this contrast between the the wicked, you know, who always seem to have prominence and man, they, I mean, they're on the chamber of commerce and the Supreme Court and whatever else um, that, that they achieve these places of prominence and fame and they die and everybody grieves, but then good, you know, godly people just pass. Um, notice what he says there. I mean, God's protecting them from the evil to come. You know, I hear old folks say that kind of thing all the time. They watch the way the world goes and they're saying, Lord, I hope I die, you know, before, uh, before the, I have to see the evil that's coming. Those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. Just a simple promise. Man, this whole world is crazy, but, but there is a life to come. And when you uh, close your eyes on this side, you will wake up to eternal peace. Uh, that, that's the promise. But then uh, verse three, but you, we're going to find, I think this phrase in many places in third Isaiah, but you, there's this contrast, even within the community, within the people of God, between those who are righteously seeking the Lord and those who are um, these verses in 3 to 13 have a lot to say about sort of the fertility cults, you know, the idol worshipers that just involve this, you know, radical sexual degeneracy. And, you know, my temptations read this and go, man, we ain't not, I mean, we, we, we may not be all that, but, but we're never going to be this, you know. But then I look at the culture around me and it's so many of the same principles at play, just this this lifestyle which prizes sexual indulgence. That's our culture, you all. Uh, and this freedom from moral norms. You know, again, right now where we, in the day in which we live, you know, individual, uh, ex ex expressive individualism seems to be more important than conforming to any previous notion of what morality or sexual norms would be. Uh, there's this idea now that you just get to you do you, you, you just tell us who you are and what you're going to be, and we will all conform to that. You know, that's just opposite. It used to be you asked which is the right way, and then you tried to walk in it, but, but, but that's not our culture. And again, this is the very 
idolatrous culture that Isaiah condemns here, uh, this power that, that diminishes human life, this wealth that impoverishes others, uh, this sexual indulgence that ultimately degrades the self and degrades other people. Uh, and this is what he's describing in this life of sexual uh, and fertility worship. And uh, again, it sounds so foreign until you begin to pay attention to our own culture. And it could be that we have found a way with other names and faces to worship the very same idols. But I love the way chapter 57 wraps up, uh, verses 14 to 21. Once more, this promise from God that he will restore those who are repentant. He will restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those who have repentant hearts. Man, I just, I mean, the Lord says, you know, I, I see what they do. I'll forgive them anyway. You know, I just love that. I was angry, I punished them, but I withdrew. Uh, I've seen what they do, but I'll heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will bring comfort. You know, my goodness, God just never stops reaching out to this old world with grace and mercy and forgiveness for those who turn back to him. Uh, uh, Gosh, beautiful promise. We'll pick up right here tomorrow, chapter 58, just 14 verses. Chapter 58, verses 1 to 14. Uh, So here we go. We're on the home stretch. We've got, what, seven or eight more days, and we'll finish up the book of Isaiah together. Then we'll talk about what comes next. Listen, it's a beautiful day. Get outside. Breathe some fresh air. Enjoy the sunshine. And I will see you in the morning, Lord willing, for Tim with Tim. I love you so much. I'll see you in the morning.